welcome to week 10 of the Punt Return podcast, brought to you by Four Seasons Landscaping. I'm your host, Josh Wye, and as always, I'm joined by uh, Nick Splitter, who uh, is <laughs> looking at your Zoom uh, background. He's, he's out the front of our major sponsor, Four Seasons Landscaping. How are you going, Nick? Good, right? Yeah, I'm standing in front of uh, Four Seasons Total Landscaping, and I uh, just thought I'd bring to you the latest ridiculousness from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um <laughs> what a what a crazy what a what a crazy moment in in the in a history of crazy moments in you know US elections and political moments that was uh, that was a moment. Yeah, I mean, like um, I was going to open the show by saying it gets darkest before dawn because last week was well, it's probably my worst betting week in about two and a half years of punting on the NFL. It was it was it was an absolutely shocking week for us on the podcast, but uh, probably the worst one in the show's history. But I mean, I'd happily take that given the rest of the week and, and Four Seasons landscaping and that whole debacle was just like, it was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And um, yeah, I'm hap- I'll am i happily go through that, that week again just because of that and, and because of sort of the feel-good vibes around the world. We've got border restrictions sort of lifting around Australia. We've got a potential COVID vaccine and um, and then obviously all the good vibes and love in, in America with the, with the election. So yeah. Uh, we can kind of roll all that positivity and momentum into a new week. And, and obviously we've got to talk week nine. So what was kind of your biggest takeaway from week nine? Oh, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? <laughs> I've, I've got a couple, but like you said, it was, it was a horrific week for us. Um, I was actually four from four from my first four bets last week and ended up completely striking out for the rest of the weekend, oh, which was uh, devastating. But you know, there, there were signs, there were signs, maybe we'll start to turn things around, but I mean, other than betting, fantasy football in 2020 has been a disaster. It's just like, no matter what week it is, no matter who you've got in your lineup, every lineup has been has been killed by injuries this this season. It's been mental. It's not been great, and uh, yeah, I I feel you. My main league in particular that I'm playing is it's a dynasty league, and I've I've got Kittle, uh, Eckler on IR. I've got CMC in and out of a lineup. Um, Kenyon Drake injured as well, just just absolutely decimated across the board. But I mean, looking at week nine, uh, it's hard to go past the uh, the Sunday night slaughter. It was it was something to behold. Uh, it was it was it was quite incredible. And, and according to DVOA, that the Saints' victory on Sunday night or, or Monday here was the best single game played by any team in, <coughs> since Football Outsiders sort of launched DVOA in two thousand and three. And after they adjust for opponents, it's the it's the best game of the century by a team, and it's the fifth best single game ever measured by DVOA, DVOA going back to 1985. And they do mention that by the end of the season that the adjustments per opponent may affect that. But, you know, that was against the number two rated DVOA. It wasn't beating up some bottom feeder as well. This was a massive ultra-dominant victory. The Saints' total DVOA went up 11 percentage points, which is almost unheard of. Um, yeah, it was it was absolutely something to behold, and um, yeah, I, I I liked the Saints, and unfortunately, like just because I kept pushing them down, and I just didn't really know how to rate Breeze, that kind of affected my numbers. But now they're kind of sailing back towards my preseason rating of them, which was the best team in the NFC, and um, I think now with with that win and the two two no, they're in the box seat. It's just it was a massive sort of uh, paradigm shift in the NFC. Yeah, I think I think all of us, if, if we include James as well, I think we all had the Saints pretty high, if, if not top of the NFC um, at the end of the season in our in our preseason preview. But um, it, it does bring up a, a couple of other questions and, and an interesting fact that I saw earlier, um, according to ESPN Analytics, is that Tampa Bay were favourite to to win the NFC South, um, and after that game, the Saints the Saints are now seventy thirty probability to win the, the NFC South, which is a, a massive swing off the back of one game. But that was a devastating result for Tampa Bay. And, and that leads into the, this question, which is, are we any closer to knowing whether the Bucks are legit or not? Because I'm still, I still don't know based on that. I mean, I, I like to think they are based on, you know, previous performances and previous results, but that, that game brings up a lot of questions. Yeah, it does. And, um, I'll get to I'll get to Tampa Bay when we talk about them later on, but I still think I still think they're legit. I just think it was kind of a the Bucks played probably their worst game that they could play, and the Saints played their best game. If they played each other again, you, you start to bridge that gap, and eventually you get closer and closer to where the teams are. I think that's just kind of what it was. But 
um, I guess we'll we'll wait and see when the Bucks play a few other a few other teams, which which you touch on as well when we when we when we preview their preview their game. Um, another takeaway for me is is I'm is I'm getting really frustrated. Like remember when passes had to be deemed catchable to qualify for pass interference? Like I'm just officially done with pass these pass interference calls. Like defensive backs have no chance in the modern NFL and and it's proof when you look at the stats across the league 16 quarterbacks are on pace to throw for 4,000 yards or more officials aren't calling holding penalties sacks are down passes of all kind are succeeding and and these rookies are off to lightning starts and yes they're good but they're also thriving in a modern NFL where DBs like Gronkowski literally just ran into Jack Rabbit and that got caught a flag it just mm. it just I don't know. That's just one example. I can't think of any. That's the most recent one. But it's just getting more and more frustrating when you see sort of passes that go sort of five, six, seven feet above a receiver out of bounds and they're calling them for flags. It just, it's starting to do my head in. And, and I'm not even a defensive back guy, but I just feel sorry for these guys that they're just getting toast and um, they just don't really have a chance. Yeah, I kind of see that the, the similarities between this and, and other major sports around the world that, that are leaning offense at the moment and offensive players and offensive rules. But it is one of those questions. Like I, I remember five or six years ago having that debate with someone is how do you, how do you, um, how do you call something? How do you deem whether something is catchable or not? Like what is the, the regulation? It's one of those things where there's so much gray area and so much um, perspective and angle and, you know, all these things that, that come into it um, in the moment that it, it's, it's a really difficult rule. Uh, but I think that the NFL, I mean, it seems to me that the NFL has made a real clear objective in prioritising the offence uh, over the last 12 months, but more specifically this this season. And I wonder if that's something that comes into it too. Yeah. I, uh, it's definitely, it's just, and I agree with you that it is tough and it's subjective, but the ones that are clearly, obviously not within reach of a physical human being seem to me like they should at mm. least be deemed uncatchable, but uh yeah, what was uh, what was your second takeaway from from week nine? Well, I asked on Twitter earlier in the week uh, who is the best wide receiver in the NFL, and and I thought the the results were were kind of surprising. We had Devonta Adams came in at number one, forty two percent of the vote. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins thirty three percent, Julio Jones sixteen percent, and Michael Thomas nine percent. We did have one vote for Travis Fulgham, which I I loved and appreciated because um, that's my guy. Oh, but yeah. I want to put DK Metcalf on there instead of Michael Thomas, just personally, um, just because um, DK Metcalf runs more than seven yards down the field uh, for my liking. But um, yeah, it's it's Devontae Adams for me uh, at the moment. Uh, I think Tyree Kills also a name that should come up as well. I just think it just depends what you want, but I mm. think Adams just can do everything. So and you know Julio Jones, he's kind of is Julio Jones a little bit, just not as. Um, you know, sparky, uh, as in like athletically gifted as, as Julio, but he's kind of on the decline a little bit, Julio Jones, even though he's playing outstanding, but he's still getting a little bit older. But yeah, I think it's Devante Adams. Are, are you on the same page? Or uh, Look, I, I had Hopkins as my number one. I had Adams number two, Thomas three and Jones four, only because Jones is one, I, I guess, fault at the moment is that he just doesn't score enough. Racks up yardage, racks up catches, but just doesn't score. And and I know that there's issues with Devontae Adams. No, Julio Jones. Julio Jones. Oh, Julio. Sorry, I was going to say Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is is a close second behind Hopkins for mine. But Hopkins for for me, Hopkins is the all round. He just does everything, and he does everything at a really high level. Devontae Adams is is creeping up on him though. Yeah, I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver on his team. There's a hot take. <laughs> uh, Christian Kirk's playing outstanding at the moment. Um, he is, quietly. but he's a clear but, number two. He's a clear yeah, number yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. He's not playing <laughs> in the same quarters. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. Christian Kirk's playing pretty good. I'll just say that. Um, but, yeah, I it's, it's a good one. We're, we're thriving. And part of the reason that we've got so many good wide receivers is because uh, all these uh, DBs don't have a chance. <laughs> so it's a good segue. I have a couple of other quick takeaways uh, before we, we move on to week 10. Um, I'll just a quick just a yes or no from you, which AFC, or not a uh, yes or no, but an either or, which uh, AFC sort of wild card or, or quote unquote dark horse would you least like to face if you're a, you know, a two or a three seed in, in the uh, AFC playoffs right now, Miami or the Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders? 
Miami. I think Miami. I, I think I'll lean the Raiders. I don't know why, but I kind of lean the Raiders. But we'll see. I think both are kind of. It wouldn't surprise me if they could if they get a playoff win. I don't know. I feel like the buy might be a little bit more important than we think in the AFC because these two teams are sneaky. Okay, I think I feel like I don't know if they can go on a Super Bowl run, but I feel like they could, you know, win a playoff game. Yeah, I just feel like Miami are, are slightly more well rounded. I think I think the Raiders are better on offense, but I think the Dolphins are way better on defense, and they're starting to put it together on offense as well. And and two has now been there for a couple of weeks yeah. and a couple of games, and and I really think that he's legit, and we'll, we'll talk. about bit more about him and, and Miami a bit later on. But, yeah. yeah, I think if I had to choose, I'd be slightly more scared of Miami in, in a yeah, playoff by the, environment. By the end of the year, yeah, by the end of the year, I probably am with Miami. I don't know. Las Vegas seemed to have this weird thing and, and that, that win that they had against Kansas City sort of, yeah, um, sort scary. of comes to mind for me. Yeah, but anyway. Scary. Um, the next question, Seahawks pass coverage problems. Do you think it's going to cost them a trip to the Super Bowl and potentially cost Russell Wilson an MVP trophy through – through eight games, they're, they're giving up 460 yards per game and, and 28.4 points per game. And the 460 yards ranks last in the NFL with only the Raiders, Lions, Browns, Jets, Vikings, Texans, Jags, and Cowboys giving up more points. And um, majority of those teams uh, have a losing record. So it's it's a concern. It really is a concern. I mean, you look at, look at some of the other talent in terms of um, passing offenses in the NFC and, and obviously you've got the Packers um, the Cardinals can play football um, the Saints, the Buccaneers, you know there's there's plenty of there's plenty of passing offense in the NFC that, that are going to worry Seattle come come the end of the season and that's, it's a huge concern for them because I think you're right it, it's, their, it's their Achilles heel but it's a really big Achilles heel Yeah definitely uh, this quarterback class might be the best since 2004 since we had Eli Rivers and, and Roethlisberger with Tua, Burrow and Herbert. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And, and I was not sure about Tua. Obviously, you know, injury issues and, and coming in behind Fitz and, and all that sort of stuff. But was high on Herbert from the beginning and, and Burrow. Yeah, I, I wasn't I'm, high sorry, on Herbert Burrow. at all. Yeah, I, I just didn't right, – like he's offensive coordinator at Oregon, obviously didn't use him properly. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but well done to everyone that was high on Herbert. Uh, you have a point on the Jets. Oh, they had to lose. They just had to lose on Monday night. They had, they could not win. I mean, it, it was really a lose lose situation for for New York. If they lost that game, then their chances. Sorry, if they won that game, their chances of landing the number one overall draft pick thirty seven percent. Losing that game goes up to sixty four percent. They had they just have to keep losing, and they put themselves in a situation where. They were going to win that game, and they had to lose it. They just had to. They had to choke. They had to tank it, and they did. That's why. That's why Adam Gase still has the job. He's doing. <laughs> uh, he's doing his job. So good on him. Um, all right. Last takeaway before we get straight into it. Um, just how the fuck do you come up short on a forty-eight yard field goal in a dome? Like, like, are you fucking kidding me? You're a professional footballer. There's a special place in kicker hell for for you, Zane Gonzalez, and you. you Rightly deserve it being called Zane. Apologies to anyone named Zane listening, but like, geez, that's a shocking name. But uh, do you know what's more shocking is our results last week. Uh, lock of the week was a loss, 6-3-1 on the season. I went 0-3. Um, as I said at the top of the show, my worst betting week in the NFL in three years. So when it rains, it pours. And I was on Russell Wilson, 400-plus passing yards at 10-1, to and he finished on 393. So, uh, yep, just... Wasn't wasn't my week week nine, um, and you went one and two. But yeah, as you said, you started off four and four, and then it just sort of withered away. Yeah, four and four from the first the first couple, including including a two dollar fifty shot. But yeah, it was just woeful after that. And funnily enough, uh, until until that Jets Pats game, I was actually in profit, and then decided I had very little interest in that game, and I thought I'll just chuck on a sneaky fifty dollar same game multi, and my profit disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> hell of a right, run. Let's go. Hell of a run. Uh, week ten: uh, Jets, Chiefs, Cowboys, Falcons have the bye. Let's get into it. Uh, Thursday night football: Indianapolis minus one at Tennessee. Total is forty-eight and a half. Uh, this opened Tennessee minus two, and it's it's flipped back the other way. Um, I think a lot of that is because T.Y. Hilton is back and practicing, and Adore. Jackson, even though he's been activated, he will remain out for Tennessee. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a gain for Indy, and uh, and especially when it's kind of 
on top of each other, whereas Adore probably would have followed T.Y. Hilton around, so now they'll have uh, someone else for that. Uh, but for me, like, I don't know, like that Rivers-Hilton connection hasn't clicked yet, so this kind of flipping doesn't really make sense for me. I have these... I have the Titans rated slightly ahead of the Colts and, and it's just because the Colts offense hasn't quite got into rhythm on a weekly basis. There's, there's, there's no obvious floor. It's just kind of a multitude of things really adding up. So Rivers will have sort of bad games. And, and as much as I love Frank Reich, he's, he's really keen to run the ball on second and 10 and second and long this season more so than ever. And the offensive line in terms of run blocking and, and Jonathan Taylor just hasn't quick clicked. So it's all, kind of little things that can be fixed. But, yeah, I've got my high-rated team here getting points at home. So this is a play for me. Um, I'll take the Titans as a home dog, and, and I'll, so I'll take them plus one. I'll take them at the money line. And, look, the Titans' defense is shocking. I just don't know if I can see Phillip Rivers carving them up like Joe Burrow did a fortnight ago. Um, yeah, and I think the defense of the Colts is legitimate, but I don't know if they can keep them in this. Like, Tannehill remains a top-five quarterback, and this offense, it's third in DVOA, which will be the best offense the Colts have a face that they played well against the Ravens, Ravens, but the Ravens offense hasn't been great this year. So I feel like that's kind of a little bit misleading that they held them, held them to a certain amount of yardage. So yeah, I like the Titans. Uh, I, I get concerned when there's that type of swing early in the week from the open opening odds and the opening lines, even to still a few days, you know, or a day or two out when it, you have a swing that's three points and, and favoritism goes the other way, just because I like, I just don't understand why T.Y. Hilton this season is not a difference maker for the Colts. Um, you know, he, he really hasn't done much to, to, uh, I, I don't think that. it's, yeah, I don't think he's the main reason, but I think it's a factor, but yeah, I agree. It's yeah. not enough to thread the needle. It's, it's a really hard, it's a really hard one this week. I'm, I'm interested to see how Tannehill and Henry cope with this Colts defense. Um, last week would have been among their worst games in a while. Tannehill, just 10 of 21, 158 yards. Henry, 21 carries for 68 yards, for 3.2 yards per carry against the Bears. And, and this Colts unit actually ranks higher than Chicago on total defensive DVOA and run defense efficiency. So it's a really interesting one. I'm keen to see how it goes because I think it will tell us a fair bit about both of these franchises and what their um, upside is for the rest of this season. But it's really hard to play, so it's, it's a pass from me. Yep, uh, a Colts win here would put them atop the AFC South. A Tennessee win would put them a game and a half in front, or two games actually, I think, in front. So um, it's pretty crucial on sort of playoff picture here with uh, you know Miami emerging, the Browns playing well, and, and, and Las Vegas as well. So there's kind of a four-team window for three spots in the uh, AFC picture. Um, all right, let's move on. Philly minus three at the Giants. The total is 44.5. Your uh, thoughts on this one? Yeah, standard standard pass for me on Eagles games, but again, NFC East matchups don't want to touch it with a sixty foot ball. <laughs> Look, I initially had the Giants as a play here. Um, my numbers liked it, and then I unfortunately re- rewatched the Giants uh, Washington football team game, and I wasn't really overly impressed with the Giants' victory at all. Uh, the Washington football team outgained them in total yards and on a per play basis, so I kind of adjusted my Giants rating a little bit, and then I also looked at the looked at the staggering number of Eagles players that are back from the bye this week, which you should be excited about. But Miles Sanders, Lane Johnson, Alshon Jeffrey, Isaac, Isaac Samolo, uh, you've got Malik Jackson as well. But the big ones there, obviously, Lane Johnson, Isaac Samolo, like just huge ins for the offensive line, um, especially Lane Johnson. Uh, so like the offensive line being intact is, is massive. Um, the Giants, look, they've improved a lot over the last month off the back of their, their running game. But Philly are 10th in, in rush defense DVOA, and they'll have Malik Jackson back, who, who's a start against the run. The Giants only have two wins this season, and they're against Washington. It's quite like the Texans' only two wins are against the Jags. Quite quite a funny sort of uh, win-loss record. They can't play the, the skins every week, and I know they, they only lost to Philly by one last time, but... With all the reinforcements back on offense of Philly off the bye, I think they win and, and, and cover. And uh, I like Philly minus three here. Uh, it's three and a half at some books, flat three. Shop around. I think it's important to get that number. Um, I think the Giants' last five games have all been uh, res- uh, resulted with with three points or less. Uh, so mm. that's kind of a key number there. So if like even if you can get a push, then that's that's the difference between a winning winning and, and getting your money back. But yeah, the Giants have just been sort of 
close game merchants this last month, but I think it's time for, for Philly to take control of this division. And with all those reinforcements back, I think that they'll be better. Thing, I mean, things are starting to come together for, for the Eagles. I mean, Jalen Rieger's looked really good in, in limited snaps, I guess. Um, his hands look a lot better at this level than they did in, in college, which is surprising. But I think that has, has a lot to do with uh, the quarterback. And, and Carson, for, for all the flack that he's copying, he, he has looked better. Um, the offensive line has looked better, which which gives him more time. Um, still making some really dumb mistakes, but you know things are starting to look a little up. I'm worried about guys like Darius Slayton and Evan Engram, though. Um, they're always the, the guys that worry me with the Giants. Yeah, I mean the Giants always play Philly close, but um, I don't know. I mean Fulgham, Fulgham's getting better and better every week. I think he's he's legit. But he's a jet. Yeah, I like he's a jet. I like I like Philly minus three here. Um, all right, Jacksonville at Green Bay. Green Bay minus thirteen. The total is uh, is fifty. I've got this sort of Packers minus twelve and a half. So really not enough here to to lead me to go to an to any side. Uh, Jake Luton Lutton. NFL debut last week couldn't have started really any better. He had a 73-yard touchdown pass to, to GJ Chark, and thanks to Charky for uh, cashing in on one of our long shot bets. I was able to tip at least one winner last week with 100 plus lobbing there for for Shark. Um, it's the longest completion by a Jags quarterback in, in about two years, but it's a much tougher ask to produce that showing on the road against a, a better defense here. Even though Packers aren't great, they're, they're slightly better than Houston. Green Bay have scored at least 30 points in six of eight games this year, and the Jags have allowed 30-plus in six of seven. So the question is, can you see Luton Town, as uh, many people are calling him, does sound like a Pokemon city. I think it might be. Um, producing at least 17 points to say inside uh, the 13. Uh, potentially back door is open. That's why I'm passing there for me. Yeah, I'm not going to go too much into kind of deep analysis in this one because I think sometimes we can overanalyze and get inside our own our own heads. And regardless of the opposition last week, I know the Niners were banged up and missing players, and, and we all know that. But the Packers were tough on offense last week, Thursday night football. Uh, Niners offensive DVOA ranked 16, defensive DVOA ranked 12th. Jacksonville offensive DVOA 21, defensive DVOA 32. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, they've got so much talent on offense, and it's not even looking at the second and third string guys uh, that, that kind of went off last week as well. But I think this offense are going to have a field day in this one, and, and Packers minus 13 looks a few points short to me. Yeah, uh, by the way, I got the video game wrong, even though it's also real life. Lutton Town is a... Uh... Is it is, is it an English football in the second <laughs> in the championship? I just remember playing against them in FIFA, so I knew I'd heard it somewhere. It's a sort of video game, but I don't really follow uh, yeah the, the minor soccer leagues as much as as other people do. I know some people down here are crazy for it, and I'll probably get uh, in particular probably Matthew Bungard messaging me about uh, my uh, lack of knowledge there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so you're on the Packers. You like Aaron Jones as well this week. I, I like I do, Monday, yeah. I to have a massive game as well, actually. 150 plus is one of my long shots. Yeah, I, I like Devontae Adams. I just didn't think there was enough value in, in some of his uh, props so far. But yeah, keep an eye on them. But Aaron Jones, 75 rushing yards at, at evens, 100 plus, 320 and 125 plus at 550, I thought was, was some decent value. So. Uh, Washington at Detroit. Um, there's no real line out there. There's no total. Uh, Matthew Stafford's in in doubt with a neck injury, but it kind of looks like he'll play. But the line's probably going to be at minus four and a half. Um, I'd happily spend four and a half seconds on this game and say that <laughs> this is gross and I'll pass. Yeah, pass for me too. Nah. Yeah, beautiful. Let's move on. Um, all right. Uh, Houston at Cleveland. Cleveland minus three. The total is 49. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like Cleveland this week, uh, minus three. There's there's no way that these teams are, are close to even, given that the Texans struggled to put away that awful Jags team last week and, and allowed 417 yards in the process to a to an English uh, soccer side on debut. Um, and the Browns, look, their three losses came to teams that are combined 19 and five. They're getting healthier. They get Nick Chubb potentially back, Austin Hooper, Wyatt Teller, who was an absolute stud um, before he went down on the offensive line. Houston at 28th against the run. Browns have had an extra week to prepare. The only thing stopping me from pulling the trigger and making this my best bet is Deshaun Watson has these has these games every now and then against leaky secondaries and kind of just goes out and wins a game on his own. Um, and that kind of scares me a little bit with Cleveland's defense. But, I mean, even if you're only factoring one point or one and a half points, 
for home field advantage. These two teams aren't really close. Like when you when you think about it. No, exactly. I, I I like Cleveland here too. I think, like you mentioned, Nick Chubb is probably back is the word, but still still waiting to hear. <coughs> Excuse me. But even if he's not, you know, still got uh, Kareem Hunt against one of the biggest holes in the NFL, the Texans' defensive line, giving up 152 yards per game on the ground, which is humongous. Um, it also sounds like that Houston are going to miss David Johnson this week. He hasn't practiced all week in concussion protocol. So that's a, that's a massive out on offense. And, you know, as much as we love Deshaun Watson, and I don't know anyone who doesn't like Deshaun Watson, um, he can't do it all on his own and he needs some help. And if his next man up is Duke Johnson, then I'm not sure that there's uh, there's going to be too many points on the board for, for Houston. So I, I like Cleveland here too. Yep. Um, and Houston also fired uh, their like only female, like high ranking uh, front office um, Communications manager or something? Yeah, and uh, from all reports, like, unbelievable, highly rated across the NFL, award-winning. So, like, I don't know what the hell is going on in Houston, um, but it, it seems just, yeah, it just seems like an absolute, it's waiting to explode. I, I feel like um, if you're in Houston, just keep an eye out in the skies because Deshaun Watson might, might light a flare anytime <laughs> soon and ask for, to come and be saved. Um, yeah, free to short. Schefter and and other NFL media uh, people just slammed the Texans this week. It's been uh, interesting yeah. to watch. Uh, I'd like to see another team snap her up, and it'd be awesome if it was a team in the division. I just that would be <laughs> just a saucy little narrative. So, um, what are you saying? What are you saying, Chris? Chris Ballard, come on, buddy, do it. Bite <laughs> the bullet. Let's do it. Um, stuff the Texans. Um, right, Tampa Bay minus five at. Carolina total is 50 and a half. Um, what about Teddy Covers? Like this bloke, he's got the best against the spread record of any quarterback apart from Joe Burrow, but that's a tiny sample size in the NFL. <laughs> but he just fights and he fights. He never gives up. That 15-yard run that he had on third and 14 was like electric. It was dynamite. And I think Matt Rule and, and Joe Brady kind of coached the same way that that folk, fake punt call was was pretty brilliant as well. And they knew they were up against it against Kansas City, so they kind of just threw everything at them. Um, they're a fun team to watch, the uh, the Panthers, and I think he nicknamed them the the Funthers, and I kind of laughed at you, but maybe maybe it could maybe they're quite good enough that that could work. But um, on the other side of the ball, I, like no matter how badly the Bucks got destroyed on Sunday night, that that Green Bay win, it still happened. They're still number two in DVOA. All those other wins still happened, and those comprehensive wins. They get Ali Marpet back on offensive line. They get a few, few, you know, Antonio Brown would be better for the run last week as well. They just ran into an absolute buzzsaw last week. And look, if you're into trends, then you'll you'll love this spot. Tom Brady's 44 and 21 against the spread after a loss. Um, so that's pretty pretty handy if you love the old chip on the shoulder narrative. But the last time the last time these two teams played, the Bucks are actually coming off a loss to the Saints as well. Um, and then they pretty much dominated the majority of the contest. Um, and when you look at what the Saints did to to rattle Brady in the offense last week, I don't know if the Panthers really had that personnel on defense. That the Saints are loaded on defensive line, and the Panthers really only have James's boy Brian Burns, unfortunately. Um, so I just don't know if they can do what the Saints did to the Tampa Bay offense. So I think Tampa will put up points against this twenty sixth twenty six ranked DVOA defense. Um, and I expect the, them to put up plenty of points and cover the spread. And as I said, I really like, you know, Bridgewater and Matt Rule and Joe Brady. I think that they have this offense humming. And even without Christian McCaffrey, I think they should be able to put up points to uh, to push this over. So I like Tampa Bay minus five and I like over 50 and a half. Yeah, I, I don't give you props very often, but I will I will say this, that you were big on, on Teddy in preseason uh, when I wasn't. And uh, so I'll, I'll pay that. And uh, look, we, we spoke last week about the next month being the real litmus test for the Bucks and, and whether they're legit and whether they can make a real a real sustained Super Bowl run. They failed the test at step one, but they've they've got a few more chances after this week. They've got the Rams and the Chiefs to come in the next fortnight, so they really need to win this one. Uh, but like you said, I, I really love what the Panthers have done. I was not high on them in preseason, but I love your point about. Teddy and, and Matt Rule being in sync and, and playing and coaching the same way. I think they're taking risks um, and, and they're playing as if they just love the game. And it, it is fun to watch. It, it really should be a, a good game to watch, but I just, 
I'm still not a hundred percent sold on the Bucks, especially after last week. And and part of me just really wants to take Carolina, and I just I can't. The, the logical part of my brain can't do it, but the emotional part really wants to take Carolina and see them do well this week. So it's a pass for me, but it's a really interesting game to watch. Yeah, and if you're a Bucks believer and you and you want to shop the best price, maybe wait until after that Chiefs game because their schedule gets real easy in the last month. It's Vikings at the Falcons at the Lions at, versus the Falcons again. So like it's just they're just going to have the offense humming on all cylinders. But it's hard with the Bucks because they're probably going to be a five seed um, and they'll have to go on the road and, and win playoff games. And I don't know if 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 they can go on a run in in the new sort of look. Uh, NFC with the playoff structure, but we'll we'll wait and see. But I think they get the yeah, job if, done here. If if they win the next three, if they if they beat the Panthers, the Rams, and the Chiefs, then a five seed is low. Pardon? If, if they win the next three, then you know them being a five seed is is an underestimation. So you know, yeah, I I just don't know how the Saints don't aren't, aren't the one seed because they have the 49ers, Falcons, Broncos, Falcons, Eagles, Chiefs, and then they have the Vikings and Panthers. I just they the two-game lead over the Bucks, so I feel like Tampa Bay are pretty much locked in for this number one wildcard team. Or do you still have them as a chance to win the division? Look, I think there's a chance because you just, you know, the Saints are playing great football right now, but we all know, we, we all saw them in the, the first three or four weeks of, of the season, outside mm. of week one when, when they beat the Bucks as well. But the, the, the three or four weeks after that, they were not good. They were, and they were not good in all facets of the game. It wasn't just... On offense, mm. they were they were poor. It wasn't but just they, defense. They still racked up wins, though. That and that's the they difference. Did. They always they kind of start slow like that, and they this is when they kind of go on their run and start to. And then everyone's really on them to win the Super Bowl, and then they they lose a, a playoff game to <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Um, that's pretty much how. Yeah, it's generally how it goes for the Saints fans. All right, uh, let's move on to the Chargers at Miami. Miami minus two and a half. The total is forty eight. Thoughts on this? I'm really impressed by the Dolphins. Like we, we spoke earlier about them being a, a potential scary candidate for, for week one of of uh, playoffs. Brian Flores said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, he, he was getting a lot of flack for, for dropping uh, fits and, and they were saying that he was auditioning Tua for the quarterback role and, and that, you know, there was no confidence and just want to see how he goes. But he, he said that this is an, an audition, that he's, he's fully behind Tua. And, and the way that they're playing shows that. They see Tua as the quarterback moving forward, and they're what they're doing is they're auditioning the pieces around him to determine what they do with their draft asset for, for the tw- 21 draft. They've got two firsts. They've got two seconds. What they do with those picks, those early picks, is really up in the air. Um, but there's a few holes that they can fill, and they can really solidify the way that they're building this franchise and building this roster out. They're in a really nice position at the moment. They're building nicely. They're playing hard at the same time. They're, not, they're clearly not tanking um, for for better picks and for more picks. But, you know, the, the way that they're building um, and playing at the same time is really impressive. I like them. I like them in this spot. I'm, I'm taking the Dolphins. Yeah, look, my numbers like them here. I have the minus four, but this kind of just screams like a trap game for me because it, all the focus right now is on on Miami. Is like they're playing well, and I and, and rightly so. Where Everyone's sort of waxing lyrical about them, um, including us, and, and it's, you have to because the way they are playing, the way that they're coached and everything's great. But then everyone else is looking at the Chargers in the complete opposite faction. You know, they're just saying how how the Chargers going to rip the heart out of the fans this time, how they're going to lose in heartbreaking fashion. But when you actually look at the numbers and, and what these two teams do, they're almost kind of identical in, in, in my ratings, like in terms of what they do well and, and their efficiency and, and all sorts. And I think... Herbert is is a better quarterback than Tua right now. Obviously, he's had a lot more experience than Tua. That doesn't mean he he won't be, but he's just it's, just it's hard to imagine Tua playing any better than Herbert is right now in his rookie year. But um, like when it just comes down to it, one team has a few wins together now, and the other has six almost wins. They've lost one game by seven, and all the rest of their losses are, are by five points or under. It's pretty staggering and then their one win was by 10 points so they nearly have they nearly one and six with a positive <laughs> differential like <laughs> so so what do you reckon what do you reckon about this game script is it herbert leads the Chargers to a three touchdown lead to three quarter yeah. time and then miami come back field goal on the on the buzzer and they win by three yeah i don't know i, I feel like <laughs> it's hard i 
I feel like it's either my. This sounds completely dumb, but I feel like the play is either Miami minus two and a half or Chargers win. I just feel like that's pretty much how it's gonna gonna go. Miami kick a field goal to win by three, or or let LA like Herbert finally does something right and they just and they just win, and then everyone's like, "Whoa, Miami! All that good's been undone because the Chargers have finally put a win together." When the Chargers finally win, I do want them to win by like 20 points so that they do have a positive points differential. Well, and, that's and the a thing. Three and six. If, <laughs> when, when they do put it all together for, for four quarters, then the, the opportunity for them to win by 20 points is is there. Like They've yeah. shown it. They've just got to do it. Yeah. Special teams just remains just an unbelievable, beautiful mess. I don't know how they do it every single week, but they seem to just – they just seem to, <laughs> to cost the team points. Like it's just – I just don't understand how they keep – it just blows my mind. I just wish I could. It's better than bank interest to bet on the Chargers every year finishing 32nd <laughs> in DVOA special teams, but they're, they're still there. They're still 32nd um, by over three and a half, over three and a half percent to the next worst team. It must be LA, LA 31st in um, DVOA special teams. Maybe there's something in California that just doesn't, doesn't sit right with special teams players. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I like my numbers like Miami, but I don't know. I've just got a weird feeling about the charges this week. It's just kind of in my loins. I don't know. I just feel it. Um, not right. going to, not going to touch that one. Yeah. Um, and I think I tweeted the other week. I don't believe in curses, but the charges are 100% cursed. And I just think that's, <laughs> that is just odd. clearly they're cursed. There's something they need to go back to San Diego, perform some sort of ritual and, and rid, rid themselves and cleanse themselves of the, of the curse. And, and go on from there. But anyway, uh, Denver at Las Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, five-point favourites at home. Total is 51. We talked last week about Drew Locke, and he ain't it. Sorry, Nick. It's just, just not it. For second straight week, the Broncos failed to score a touchdown until well into the second half, and they're trailing by three touchdowns on a snap-to-snap basis. The the bad just outweighs the good with uh, with Drew Luck. So I say this to Denver fans: good luck in quarterback purgatory. <laughs> good luck, uh, good luck. Um, well well as for this game, it looks looks the line looks right. Uh, the Raiders probably aren't the superior roster on paper when you look at it, but they're better coach. They have the better quarterback, and as much as I'd love to, you know, shit all over Derek Carr, he's playing well and he's playing efficient. Um, yeah, so I uh, this is perfect game script for over. The Raiders are a perfect team for overs. Uh, seven of their eight games have gone over the total. The one that hasn't was in, in that 30-mile-per-hour wind in Cleveland in the rain as well. So this is just perfect. You can see what this game's going to do. The Raiders' offense will put up points, get out to a lead, and then their defense is so bad that it'll enable Drew Locke after sucking for three quarters, produce 20 points in the last quarter. And that's probably why I'm not taking the minus five because I could see them sort of backdoor covering. Um, but yeah, I think that over fifty one is 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 a great play. I'm still I'm not willing to give up on Drew Locke. I mean, have you seen what Denver have on offense? Their offensive line is well below average in both stopping the run and pass protection. They lost Cortland Sutton um, early on in the season. They were already light on for receivers. Melvin Gordon is a shell of the player we know he has been and, and he can be. For a lot of reasons, and, and I refer back to that Denver offensive line, I'd love to see Drew Locke in Indy or Tampa or Cleveland um, where he could really walk in and, and replace the incumbent quarterback. I mean, the one in Tampa's all right, I guess. But um, being said, I, I kind of agree with you on the overs. The, the Raiders can leak points. They can score points and they can leak points with the best of them. But I'm just... Jerry Judy and, and Tim Patrick are both on the injury report for Denver at the moment. And if those guys miss, then I can't see how Denver can score at all. And, and you know, then the, the over is in, in real trouble. So it's a, a lean to the overs, but keep an eye on that injury report. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know if I can do with, with Drew Locke because it's just too close to Andrew Luck. It just brings back too, too much. <laughs> you, you've got a much better offensive much line now. He, he'll, be, yeah, no. he'll be protected. I'm going to text Andrew tonight and just you up. To see if he's come back, come back, Andrew. We miss you. Um, all right, uh, Buffalo at Arizona. Arizona two point favorites. Total is fifty six. Uh, this should be a fun one. You know, sneaky game of the week candidate here. Um, kind of both these teams. I, I feel like are 
like you have your elite teams in each conference. You've got your Saints, your Packers, your Bucks in the NFC. You've got your Ravens, your Chiefs, your Steelers in, in sorry in the AFC, and then the others in the NFC. And then I kind of have this tier two where it's like Arizona is sitting by themselves and and Buffalo are sitting by themselves. Um, it feels like I miss Seattle as well in the NFC. But both these two, both these teams are kind of not quite elite yet, but they're not like a like a wild card team, even though one of them will be probably a wild card team. But it just feels like like both these teams are, are in very similar circumstances in opposite opposite conferences. So this should be a fun game. I don't really have a strong enough feeling on on either of the teams to make a play. Um, it might just come down to kind of who has the ball last. And in those situations, I'll normally take the underdog. Um, I have this Arizona minus one. So I lean Buffalo money line. Um, and, you know, in those situations as well, I take the better coaching staff as well. And Sean McDermott and Brian Dable are doing a better job than Cliff Kingsbury, who needs to do a much better job at decision-making in the fourth quarter and just show a little bit more faith in his quarterback. Kyler Murray's running the ball exceptionally well. Um, and, you know, settling for 48 yard field goals, even though your kicker probably should make those. Uh, but, you know, he's already cost his team a win. He was lucky not to cost them the win in Seattle with some terrible decisions. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably lean Buffalo, but I just don't have a strong enough feeling on this game. I'm more just keen to watch it rather than bet on it. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on a lot of that. And, and especially that question about who might have the ball last um, is a good one. Uh, I didn't see that performance coming from the Bills last week. We, we spoke about the potential for a shootout last week, but I think that conversation effectively was talking about who would you take, who would you trust, Russell Wilson or or Josh Allen. I think we all kind of said, I mean, most people said, when we put on Twitter as well, Russell Wilson over Josh Allen. But the Bills' offense, Josh Allen, effectively and efficiently picked apart that Seahawks defense, we know that there's issues there, but they were very, very good when they had the ball, the Bills. For Arizona, Kyler Murray is playing as well as any quarterback in, in the league at the moment. He's got five games with 250-plus passing yards. He's got five games with 60-plus rushing yards, five games with two or more passing touchdowns. He's got eight total rushing touchdowns on the season. His completion rate at the moment is 68.1%. And we know what Josh Allen can do. We saw it last week. With, with Buffalo's offense. So I think there's heaps of points in this one. I'm, it's a high total, but I'm going over, but I'm not confident enough on either team to outplay the other. Whereas I think both offenses can, can put up a lot of points. Yeah. Um, both these quarterbacks sort of back to back in, in MVP betting as well. Josh Allen at 17 to one and, and Kyle Malik Murray at 23 to one. Um, so yeah, it's both playing exceptionally good football at the moment. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard, but, uh, I think points is, is 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 the bet if you are going to have a play on that game. Uh, I, I agree, Nick. Uh, all right, San Fran at New Orleans minus nine and a half. The Saints at home total is forty eight. Um, I'm going to pass on on this game. We've spoken at length about the Saints win on Monday night, the, the Sunday night slaughter. Um, but I just have no idea who or what <laughs> would be lining up for the Forty Niners here. They're just so unbelievably banged up or, or COVID affected. Um, and if I'm the 49ers, I, I'm filthy that that game went ahead against the Packers last week, given that games earlier in the season got postponed and moved. For, and a lot of that was the Titans being stupid. And I know the 49ers players made some mistakes, but, you know, why do, why do one rules exist for, for some teams and not, and not for others? And, you know, I think the NFL just favoured sort of primetime audiences and numbers over over well-being, like when you've got six or seven guys getting activated off practice squads to field an NFL team. I just don't think that's overly fair. Um, at all and unfortunately the 49ers it's just kind of been a season for hell for them but I, I just nine and a half I've got the number at 10 looks spot on but I just I don't really want to take I'm scared to take massive lines like that after last week's uh, horrible horrible week so pass yeah no I I see where you're coming from but I I think New Orleans were were very very good as, as you said we've spoken about that already um, the Niners Clearly, we're not good, but we know we know why. They've got excuses. They've got reasons. But I kind of feel like they're getting to the point where the Niners pack it in and, you know, they play for next season. You look at their schedule coming home. After this week, they've got the Rams, the Bills, the football team, the Cowboys, which they'll probably win without even trying, then the Cardinals and the Seahawks. They, I mean, they could legitimately lose all of them. I mean, it's hard to see the Cowboys winning a game at the moment, but, um, you know, they, they push the Steelers. So... You imagine if they put that performance against the Niners 
at the moment that that's that's a chance of winning that game. So I don't know. I just I, I wonder at what point do the Niners put the cue in the rack and say that's it for the season and and uh, you know play for a, a better a better draft position. Um, but regardless of, of the Niners, the Saints have turned the corner from the first month of the season, as we mentioned earlier. Based on the two matchups last week, the Saints win, the Niners loss. This line should probably be a little bit higher. Uh, you said you've got it at 10. I, I still think it should be a bit higher, probably 12 to 12 and a half. So I'm taking the, I'm taking the Saints. Yeah. Look, I don't think the Saints can play as good as they did on Monday night, but they don't have to. Um, so, you know, even if they only play, you know, 60% of what they did, they should easily win at home here. But it is... It is a massive line, and Kyle Shanahan is a good coach. And like I thought for, for a little while there that they might have had a chance to cover against the Packers, but uh, you won the head to head. And and didn't you remind me throughout the weekend, Nick? Like, <laughs> it's, about the only thing, it's, about the, it's about the only thing I've won all, all season. So I had to, uh, had to make the most of it. Every, every three hours, it's like notification <laughs> on my phone. I'm like, all right, all right. No, but good, good call. Uh, you were right. That line should have been. A lot higher. Um, but look, I got closing line value and it lost. Uh, that happened <laughs> like in three of my plays last week. It's horrendous, but oh well. Um, all right, Seattle at LA, uh, LA minus two, uh, probably the other game of the week contender here. Uh, total is 55 and a half. Um, you know, I'm old enough to remember when these two teams played like a 10 6 game um, a few <laughs> seasons back. Um, but yeah, look, I love Seattle here. I like them to win and I like the plus two. I love the spot. It's a pretty big overreaction to last week. I think you agree there that it's an overreaction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at the line. I'm wondering what what am I missing? Yeah, it's just I don't know. I mean, we we like we knew Seattle had a bad defense. Like last week didn't really change things for me. Like I think m- more importantly, Pete Carroll and, and the coaching staff completely botched that matchup last week. Um, you know, versus the Bills, and they they did the complete opposite to what the other couple of teams that had success against the Bills and Josh Allen did. They just did the opposite. They blitzed him, and instead of you know sitting back and covering more and 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 making Josh Allen be patient and hit more sort of underneath and more sort of subtle routes where he where he can't just launch the ball deep, and that's kind of things that he's not he doesn't overly excel in, and, and make him have sort of long sustained drives, and it just didn't quite work. Um, but then I think this game comes down to whether you think Jared Goff and Sean McVay can rip apart the Seattle defense as, as effectively as Josh Allen and, and Brian Dayball did last week. And look, I'm a Goff fan and, you know, and quote unquote, an Allen skeptic, even though I formally apologize. But I'll admit, Allen's completely outplayed Goff this season in, in QBR, EPA, DV, DVOA, DYR, all of those advanced analytics and statistics. And just from just general eye test of watching will also tell you, you know, also tell you that and look McVeigh's a great great coach but you know he needs some sort of nicotine patches to help him quit you know the running game because he just won't quit it he'll run and he'll run and establish the run and and he won't abandon it like the Bills did last week and I think that'll help Seattle I think that helps them a lot and it's part of the reason why the Rams have have scored 24 or less points in in five of eight games this season I don't know 24 seems like a lot but in the modern 2020 NFL 24 points is not really that much no. Um, so we know certainly, Seattle certainly scored. not against the Seattle offense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we mentioned what they're averaging. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier in the show that they're they're giving up 28.4 points per game. So yeah, it, it's we know Seattle are going to score points. Um, that's a given. Russell Wilson will score against any defense, and I think the Rams' defense is a little bit overrated just because like sixty percent of their schedule this season has been the NFC East. So it's that's a little bit overrated. I like I think Seattle score. I just don't know if the Rams can keep up as as effectively as as the Bills did last week and and as Kyler Murray and the the Cardinals did uh, the week before. So yeah, I like Seattle. So weird to be saying. Not sure if the Rams offense can keep up with the Bills offense. Just seems <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> Strike it down to twenty twenty again, mate. <laughs> yeah, there's so much wrong with this year. But yeah, I, I agree. I think yeah, Seattle have proved all year how good they are. Even even with their deficiencies and we know what they are. They show it every week. We know where they fall down and, and we know where their problems are, but somehow, you know, they continue, except for last week, they continue to, to put up points and continue to win games of football. I'm not sure they deserve after that one bad loss to be two point underdogs. Uh, I know it's away from home and, and maybe that comes into it a little bit, but I have this closer to pick them in LA. And if it was in Seattle, Seattle would probably be, you know, four or five point favorite. So, 
Um, I have to have a little play on Seattle. It's not a big play, but I kind of have to um, based on that. Looking at, at the LA offense and the Seattle defense, you know, there's probably a good argument to have a play on that that Rams pass receiving game. But good luck picking which wide receiver is going to go off in any particular week. There's there's so many options that I never get it right. <laughs> I feel like if you just back Lockett and Metcalf to have 100 plus every week, you know, like <laughs> one of them will go off. So you just one or both, depending. You know, you could you could hit the jackpot, but. Um, I mentioned last week, if you believe in, in the Dolphins um, to win the division, to take them last week before they sort of went on a run um, this, this week, I'm calling it now as well. If you don't, if you think the Rams will win this game in Seattle, defensive efficiencies will continue to affect Russell Wilson and put him in these bad spots where he'll throw picks and fumble footballs. Then this is probably the week to, to fade him or, or lay him for MVP and, and look at Patrick Mahomes at $3 or, or Aaron Rodgers at $5 um, in the betting market there um, and and fade Russell Wilson because it could cost him here. But if he can turn it around and, and play well and win off the back, then obviously um, it might be time to reload because he's up over um, $2.20. I don't think – I don't advocate taking MVP at that price. But, um, yeah, if no, that's, what you, that's what you believe, then – I've already moved yeah. off Russ for MVP. I think I think this is the perfect spot for Mahomes' final value because I think he just kind of kicks in the gear more from from here on out. Yeah, I don't particularly think Mahomes is anywhere close to the to what he was playing when he won MVP in twenty eighteen. Like, but he's still playing. He's, but he's still putting up crazy numbers. That's just how good he is. So um, down the stretch, just, he could he could run away with it. Yeah, exactly. Just just shows how much upside he's still got in him. And and I think you know we've spoken about it a, a, a few times. The Chiefs have really only look like they've only been playing at 60 or 70%. You know, when they start ramping it up and, and putting it all together, which they will because they want that yeah. number one seed, they want, you know, they want another Super Bowl, um, that MVP Mahomes comes out again. Yeah, I agree. It's just – I sound like a broken record. I go on, on radio every week for, for Sport FM in Perth and they ask me about the Chiefs and I keep saying that they're, they're not firing all cylinders yet, but they, they will and that's scary. And it just it, – Sounds, but that's just how it is. It's just how it looks. I feel like they're just sort of cruising. They're just ascending up to sort of the the rest point on Everest, and then they're they're just reloading (laughs) for the summit. And that's what that's pretty much what they're doing. Um, All right, let's move on. Uh, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Uh, No line, no total, um, no line due to sort of COVID scares across both camps. It's also concerned about Big Ben um, with with some some injuries. He was pretty hobbled in the second half against against Dallas. Um, so it, it opened minus nine. Some books uh, have reopened at Pittsburgh minus six and a half. Um, I'm not sure what that means, whether they expect Big Ben to be playing or not playing. But um, look, I'll, I'll say this. If it reopens at plus seven, plus seven and a half, I'll take the Cincy um, plus there. And if it is around plus seven and plus seven and a half, I'll also have a sneaky play on the Cincinnati money line as well. I think there are, they're a live dog here. Um, the Steelers, they have games like they did last week against Dallas every season under Tomlin and Big Ben, except they normally lose them. So that's kind of why they're a little bit different this year. They, they normally put up one or two stinkers on the road every season. And it kind of, you know, plants some doubt into Steelers fans or it cost them home field, which meant they'd had to go into New England and play. And it's probably cost them a couple of Super Bowl appearances, losing some ugly games to some really bad teams. But um, yeah, I, I just want to mention Cameron Haywood, incredible NFL's kind of littered with overlooked players on O line and D line. Like a lot of people, unless a lot smarter, unless they're a lot smarter than us, don't properly comprehend <laughs> those positions. But I think Haywood's pretty close to topping that list, kind of like Fletcher Cox did has for many many years. I feel like he's kind of the Fletcher Cox two point There is there is no other Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox is is. One and alone, the greatest man in human history behind Nick Foles. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm all Bigger in. Cox. On... <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice, that's good for you. Um, Thank you. But yeah, look, I'm I'm all in on Pittsburgh this this season. I think that they've like like you said, the, the Steelers normally drop a couple of those those games that they should win. This year, they're doing what they have to do to to just keep winning, and they looked like they were going to be embarrassed last week at, at halftime. Um, and I was concerned what a loss like that could do to the rest of their season, but you know they they dug it, they dug it out, they they got the win in the end, and and 
Um, you know, they did what they have to do. It's hard to tell, obviously, with, with no lines. But, yeah, I think even if it was that at that seven or, or eight, I think I'm probably still in on Pittsburgh just because I think there's some embarrassment there of, based on that performance last week. Um, but so much depends on, on Big Ben. And, I mean, how old is the bloke that he gets tackled and hurts both his knees? Like, yeah, it's, it's just... But, I feel you know. like ben, ben, ben always plays better when he's injured. I feel like he... <laughs> I, 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 yeah, like he's... He always bungs it on as well. Like he's kind of an attention attention seeking kind of guy. Like he wants you to know that he's injured and, and playing to kind of build that toughness narrative. But he is tough. I mean, he's built like a clock he now. Is, like he, he is. Like that cannot be not tough. But you're right, though. I think like that that whole backs against the wall thing is is what gets Pittsburgh up each week. Like they love that that underdog mentality, and they're not going to be underdogs many times this this season. But um, you know if if they feel like they're being underrated, then watch out. Yeah. Um, you know, but like you, I am chips in Steelers this year, but I kind of don't like the spot. I mean, he's hobbled since you've got a lot of players back off their bye, and we know that Joey covers. So <laughs> oh, I love Joe Burrow. It's just, it's I just hard not to, isn't he? It is. It's just unbelievable. Joey exotic. Um, all right. But, uh, Sunday night football, Baltimore minus seven at New England. The total is 44. Uh, yeah, thoughts on Sunday Night Football? Real, real oh. blockbuster. Yeah, massive. I just like, how can anyone effectively rate the Patriots right now? Like, it's just, they're so confusing in in so many ways. Like, the, that first quarter, the way that they were running the ball, um, the way that, that Cam was throwing the ball, but he, I think he only had one run for the game. And, and that one run was a touchdown. He, he looked dangerous when he had the ball, and then they just stopped doing it. Um, I'm still convinced they were trying to lose that game, but then the Jets figured out <laughs> how to lose that game even more. I still think they'll the Pat like uh, Bill Belichick was trying to stop uh, trying to stop the Jets from winning that game, but Cam just can't lose. Like he just. <laughs> but it, like, in the second half, it was all Rex Burkhead. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I just can't. I can't. I can't gauge the Pats right now. So I'm fifty fifty on Baltimore minus seven, but just as equally, I'm like. It's pass. I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is pretty easy for me. Baltimore minus seven. Don't really overthink it. Patriots kind of aren't right. They're missing just way too many personnel on defense. And you know, apart from Jacoby Myers' kind of breakout game last week, they don't really have any wide receivers that sort of strike fear into you and and, in, and into the fierce sort of Ravens defense that that'll get Marlon Humphrey back. So they'll be able to cover and. The defensive line's pretty stout, and and I don't think that the running game of the Pats. You know, it'll it'll get going, but I don't think it'll get going enough to really worry Baltimore. And uh, but my question is this: like, what's the Pats' record if Brady was still there at quarterback? Because if you look at like if you look at their injury list, there's a stack of players that like didn't even start the season because they opted out with COVID. Like Dante Hightower, Marcus Cannon, Patrick Chung. There's three, you know, uh, Pro Bowlers, couple of All Pros in there. Um, and then they've also lost, you know, a few other offensive linemen, you know, not not as highly rated, but, you know, you got Julian Edelman on IR, Sonny Michelle on IR. Like, they've just got a lot of a lot of players out injured. They've got a lot of personnel changes on defense. And then obviously, you know, losing a starting quarterback sort of throw things out. Um, but I don't know, like, how many how many wins better are they? Like, they've, they've had a couple of close losses that maybe become wins. But I don't know. I just feel like the, the, the Bucks roster is way better than the Pats roster is overall. And I don't know, I sound like a broker record defending sort of Bill Belichick, but it just feels like like when you look at these two teams, it's not even close. I'm not sure that if if it's just a pure switch out Brady for for Cam, I'm not sure that they're better at all. In fact, I think that they're probably worse because I think Cam is is more dynamic at quarterback. But you look at you look at the Pats second half of last season when their roster was better as a whole. I mean, it still wasn't great, but their defense yeah. was way better. Um, yeah, they still went 2-4 and, and four or lost the last six were, games. They were horrible. They were horrible. Yeah. And and especially on offense. So you, you take out those those guys that you mentioned before and you add Brady back behind their offensive line and throwing mm-hmm. to the, and, and again, lack of talent. I think that they're worse if you add Brady back in. But, you know, if Brady's there, do, do some of those other guys not opt out? I mean, you know, yeah. there's some of those larger questions about what the what the roster looks like, what the franchise looks like if if Brady yeah. stays. But 
Um, yeah. If it's pure quarterback for quarterback, I think that they're even worse with Brady. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to tell. I mean, obviously, I think the offense wouldn't uh, have undergone as much changes, so you could probably equate that to a, a couple of wins. And you know, he's probably a little bit more uh, better decision maker in in clutch moments than than Cam, and that's probably worth. I'd say they're probably like two wins max better at, at that point. But I was just more looking at those two rosters and everyone sort of judging both these players after the season but uh it's just yeah it just hasn't gone well for like and then brady's still playing okay but he's not sort of lighting like he's not winning games on his own for the for the bucks yet no. and i'm sure he he'll, he'll have a game or two like that um, but he also but, doesn't yeah. have to because there's there's yeah. other avenues yeah exactly um all right last game of the week monday night football i mean apart from like thursday night football is pretty good but the two primetime games probably not not fun um, Minnesota minus two and a half at Chicago. The total is 43 and a half. Um, this price flipped after last week's results. So the Bears are initially two point favorites at home, and now you've got Minnesota two, two and a half point favorites on the road. Um, because the Bears have lost their third straight game, um, and the Vikings won their second straight game after Dalvin Cook sort of went ham against some of the worst run defenses in the NFL. And look, I know the Bears lost games, but they've essentially played the same in their three losses as they did in their wins. Like, similar to Seattle, we, we didn't really learn anything new about the Bears. We know who they are. They're mm. an unbelievable defense with a very limited offense, and that's pretty much what they are. But you go outdoors against the division rival, the Bears defense is fourth in DVOA, the seventh in fourth in DVOA overall, seventh in run defense DVOA. I think they should be able to slow Dalvin Cook down enough to force Kirk Cousins to make some plays. And I just don't know whether he can do it outdoors in those conditions. We said we saw um, a lot of teams sort of struggle there. Tennessee struggled a lot. Um, and that was kind of an ugly game. You mentioned sort of them having a, a, a sort of bad offensive showing. We saw the Saints kind of struggle there in Chicago. The wind and the conditions there play a major role. And I think I think Chicago get, get the job done. I think they've won the last – of. I think they've won the last four games in the series, potentially. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I so agree. And, I like and, the Bears. Yeah, I, I agree. And Minnesota are just, you know, as, as they have been for the last two or three years, really hard to to get a gauge on um, again. But you mentioned Dalvin Cook. He's a stud. But can they actually win games often? And that's, that's still the question about the Vikings. The best defense, as we mentioned earlier, kept Derrick Henry to 68 yards on 21 carries. I know they're different They're different running backs and, and they have different skill sets and, and tools, but I'm really interested to see how they scheme for Dalvin Cook because if, if they can stop or slow him down, like like you mentioned, then that goes a big way um, to to covering, if not winning the game. So I'm, I'm leaning Chicago. Um, I prefer the, the flat three, but yeah, I'm you know, I might even – I might even have have a little play on Chicago at the money line just because, you know, what you said at the start of, of this segment is that you know what you're going to get with Chicago and we just don't know what we're going to get out of Minnesota. They're so Jekyll and Hyde, whereas Chicago are, are consistent. We know we know where they're fallible. We know it's the offense, but you know what you're going to get from them every week and they're consistent and, uh, you know, you can kind of trust them. Yeah, a bit of trivia for you. Last uh, two games last year. Dalvin Cook against uh, the Bears. First mm-hmm. game, he had nine carries. Guess how many yards he had? 16. 12? Close. Well uh, and then the next game, uh, he had 11 carries. How many yards? 23. 39. So, yeah, yeah it's not, not great. I mean, mm. 20 carries for, you know, 51 yards. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's and not I- ideal. And so they know how to play this. They know how to face this this blocking scheme and and what and you know Mike Zimmer and, and Gary Kubiak should be you know credited for Dalvin Cook playing outstanding and Dalvin Cook is awesome. But you know this scheme is part of the reason for his success. But the Bears in a division rival, they know how to play them. I feel like that's a massive advantage. That's kind of not that sh- should not get overlooked. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. Alrighty, so Bears plus three if it gets there uh, for both of us there on Monday Night Football. Uh, all right, it's time for our lock of the week, and I think it's going to be Cleveland, the Browns, as a favourite. It's a scary thought. It is a scary <laughs> thought. Um, it's, we could go Cleveland minus three. Or we could take the Bears plus three. I feel like I'd rather Cleveland, uh, but <laughs> yeah. So Cleveland minus three. We're six three and one on the year. So we're rolling the dice with uh, with Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns there. All right, best bets and 
and long shots. Nick, what have you uh, got for us? Uh, I've got the Packers, the, the big line, the minus 13. I've got Cleveland minus three as the, the lock of the week. And uh, the Saints, also big line, minus nine and a half. Found it really hard to find some some really good value long shots and, and props this week. A couple of notes. I've got um, Aaron Jones uh, against the Jags. I've mentioned the, the rushing yards for him. And I've just got another note to look out for Lamar Jackson rushing props. New England, the 31st ranked rush defense in uh, Football Outsiders DVOA. So keep an eye on that. But there were no markets up for Lamar rushing. But uh, I'll tweet some out over the weekend once the, yeah, the markets come up. Beautiful. What you got? Uh, all right. I've got uh, – you've gone real chalk this week. Um, so have I actually, to be honest. But I've got a few players on some dogs. But – um, I've gone over 51 in Denver and Las Vegas. Uh, I really like that total after totals let me down big time last week. Um, imagine picking um, overs in, in 2020 and losing. That's, it wouldn't be me. Um, <laughs> Baltimore minus seven in Sunday Night Football against New England and Philadelphia minus three against the Giants. Um, my long shots, I've gone with a line and total double. I've gone um, you know, half of our uh, long shot unit on... Tampa Bay minus five and a half and over 50 and a half at $3.60. And then I've gone a sort of a 0.25 of, of that uh, long shot unit on Jared Goff, 350 plus passing yards at $5 against the Seattle defense. And the other 0.25 of that unit against, uh, not against, on Devante Adams, 150 plus receiving yards at $5.50. So there's uh, my long shots this week. But uh, I also like Seattle. Plus, plus two this week and the money line. So, uh, yeah, I might even do a money line dog, just uh, like a multi, just the Bears, um, the Bears, the Seahawks, and uh, the Titans, who are also Ooh. a dog this week. So uh, something to watch for uh, this week. But um, I'm confident. Uh, I like this slate a lot better than last week. I wasn't overly confident last week. That's why I ended up picking totals on the show, um, but that still didn't work out for me. Um, so I ended up just losing more. Um, so uh, <laughs> gamble responsibly, but uh, yeah, enjoy uh, enjoy the weekend. It's going to be a fun Sunday because we'll have Masters uh, in the morning, um, and for, for during Red Zone, it's just going to be a sport fill up. It's uh, uh, you just got to love day four of the Masters leading into Red Zone. It's just a it's just a just a wonderful time of the year. Yeah, good memories of Masters day four. Yeah, well, it's never been with, at the same time as Red Zone, so this is like a. This is like a sports dream. Um, so, yeah. Nick, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, just want some luck, finally. I want some luck, some Andrew Luck or some Drew Locke. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just what I want. I want a winning week. I want a winning week. It's been a few weeks, so, yeah. Just some dollars would we'll, uh, be nice. Yeah, we'll call it the Drew Locke of the week um, when he's out of the NFL <laughs> in, in a couple of years. Um, or or so when, he's, uh, when he's the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe. All right, either or. Um, but yeah, that wraps up uh, week 10. Uh, have a good week. Um, hopefully we'll have better news next week to talk about results. But uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Punt Return Pod. You can follow me at JYNFL and you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Twitter. And until next time, peace.